All Founders Tea Break podcast, Christian Cunningham and Laura Racky today. How are you, Laura? Wonderful. How are you? Also wonderful. Uh, that sounds a bit of a high bar, but <laughs> we're somewhere near. Aren't we just so relaxed? Oh, yes. We're very relaxed. We're very um, high-strung, relaxed people. Today is a very short one, Tea Break podcast. As you know, neither of us drink tea, but Tea, tea Break podcast on decision-making. And this was prompted by your... Uh, attendance yesterday and your first day of the company directors course by the way was it good excellent okay that's good to hear uh, I think it's an excellent investment in time and uh, long-term prospects so one of the topics that was raised that sort of prompted us to this was decision making and and how people make decisions we've done a little bit of work on the theory of decision making in the past and this is sort of just brought it into focus today um, did what did you learn yes did you learn anything new yesterday about decision making i learned a lot of new things about decision making but yesterday but what i thought was really fascinating and i did um mention it in um, a little story yesterday was that we all lean on different types of information as being more important when we're making a decision um so i thought that was really cool information to know because um when we're making a decision ourselves or in a group um, we should look at what information we're pulling on to, to make a call and what behaviorally we fall into and yeah. we need to have to make a final decision on any issue yeah whether it's need to have but we might instinctually feel that we need to have a particular type of information otherwise we won't make a good decision or we won't make a decision at all, at all which happens a lot you know decision paralysis and no decision is a decision too I <laughs> Well, that is absolutely true. It's not always a good one, but it sometimes is. Yeah. So just, I mean, some of the theories around it is that there are six sort of bedrocks that people rely on when making final decisions. And we'll get into some of the practical applications in business and personal life. But they would be, just to quickly summarize, outcomes, what the outcome of a, a decision will be, what, what's the outcome for us. Options, what are our options? Risk, what is the risk? Is it a risk, isn't it a risk? And what are the risks involved? Uh, people and the outcome, uh, the effect on, on people or the people that we have. Process, what's the process of what, the, what we're deciding on? And evidence, what's the evidence that suggests this is going to be a good or bad out yeah. outcome? So sort of they tie in together outcomes and evidence, I think sort of outcomes being the forward thinking and evidence being the backward thinking. Yes. What's behind it? So. We deal with lots of different types of people, but I'm going to start with you. Out of those six pillars, are there one or many that you rely on when making a business decision? Well, it was funny. In, in the room, in the moment, that that same question was asked of everyone, and I immediately, um, and I think you would, you would agree with this, I immediately went to outcomes because mm. I'm very much like, what's the point? Get to the point. What's the shot glass version? You know... One, What's two, three, outcome? bang, bang, bang. This is where we're going. Um, if you asked me to assess what you would be based on, it would all be based on risk. Well, and then when I thought about it some more, um, there are layers. And, and then I thought about it even more. <laughs> <laughs> so you need evidence too. Um, you know, at 3 a.m. this morning. And I thought about, well, actually with these six things, if, if this is what we're doing maybe each of us have different drivers for a decision depending on the type of decision that's being made. So, for example, if I'm in my law firm and a client is coming to me with a question and asking for advice, yes. because of 
the reason they're coming to me as a lawyer um, and what they're looking for from me, mm. I will focus on the risk part of it. So decision. they might focus on the outcome or their options, yes. but they bring it to you for a risk assessment. Exactly. So so straight away, that's where my brain dives into. What are all of the risks? Let's yeah. work through that so that then when I'm presenting information so that client can make a decision, it's going to be heavily based on the risk yep. side of things. That makes sense. Um, that's right. But when I think about my own businesses, yeah. I, I, I know you're talking about risk, but I think I am outcome well, thank goodness I'm here because it's, it's, <laughs> that's when the, the risk hat goes on. We swap roles. So I, I think that it's um, something that changes depending on the circumstances. Um, I don't think that we're all fixed in. And, and it depends on the type of decision you're making. If you're in a boardroom, um, you know, the questions might be more around process or might be more evidence-based. Yep. So... Yeah, just really interesting. And then again, if you're in, in if you're making decisions with a group of people, yes. um, that's when the fun begins. Because if I'm really heavily based on the evidence side of things, I might be really for a decision that has some good evidence-based backing. Yep. But the person who is um, more outcomes-driven is not They're saying, like, forget that, right? Forget the evidence. This is the outcome. Look at the possibility. Or, or, or negatively. What's, oh, what's no, 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 no. There's no good outcome here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. And then what it made me think about, and we've talked about this before, is with clients and businesses that are growing, um, founders especially, who I think end up becoming very, very successful, are the mm. ones that have a very good self-awareness about how they do things and how they make decisions. And they actively seek out or maybe subconsciously seek yeah. out um, counterbalances in their yeah. business. So, some... so do you think that from all the people we work with, and it's quite a number, do you think that has been predominantly luck or do you think that has been by design that people who start businesses or, or have the outcome or option sort of really forward thinking mentality to grow, which you need to grow a business, do you think they naturally go and find you know, a CFO or a finance expert that's really risk risk focused, or a lawyer that's really risk focused, or is it just they find out the hard way and then they need someone to backstop that risk? I don't think side? it's luck. I think that it it might be more subconscious than a, a really proactive searching, but a smart business owner once having found a person who does balance them and who has a different way of mm. thinking to mm. them, a smart business owner will hold on to that person yeah. for dear life yep. and, and understand. balance their decision-making yeah, and team. So this yep. is an asset because if I don't have this person, for example, asking questions about risk, yes. I'm going to be out there, Could buddy, be in trouble. you know, signing up every every single possibility that's out there, um, having not thought through where it could go wrong. There's lots of people who start businesses and do well who think that way with options and outcomes and even people, but they neglect process evidence and risk that's right and you know there's nothing wrong with that no except that it gets to a critical mass and a point at which if your business has grown and then you are not doing any of those things you are just opening yourself up yes. to drama and it will all come at once because you'll have you'll be on a whole range of fronts where you haven't taken uh, assessment of the risk and all of a sudden all these risks will start coming home to roost at the same time that's right and that's when it gets really ugly and you see it in business collapses often is when 
someone has made just makes decisions based on outcomes and just makes decisions based on options and doesn't think risk and then all of a sudden the whole house comes down and it might be just this meteoric rise and all of a sudden the house comes down because they haven't had a hard-nosed risk-based thinker okay what hang on yeah. what about you no no well i actually <laughs> to be honest i think i use all of those in all decisions i'm but i'm a bit weird like i'm i'm sort of relatively thoughtful about the bigger the decision the more thought i put into it but i always think risk no matter what um, that's that's definitely true yeah. Uh, I don't always think process, but generally I try to have a decision-making process. And even in giving advice to companies, it's like, how do we get to, how are we getting to this outcome? We can't just, it might be right, but let's stress test it. And so that's sort of process. Evidence, I think, is uh, sometimes unreliable. You can make evidence, you can pretty much find something to support any argument if you really want to from evidence point of view. And we see that every day that you could read a report one day and then the next day read it on the same topic and they're totally uh, polarized and you basically just got to use best judgment. So evidence to me is not as useful, um, but I always think outcomes, I always think options, but really when you really boil it down, I probably come down to risk in the end. I sort of say, well, outcomes aren't guaranteed, but risks can be assessed with some form of surety um, and and that may hinder me a little bit from from a growth point of view and at times but I I'm comfortable with that because <laughs> you've got a bullet a bullet a gate in your oh, corner. a few people and you know <laughs> and, and and some of the other people in, involved with us are, are a little bit more the other way a little bit more focused and I'll just sort of sit up the back and hold on to the rope so you all don't go too but far I, I just think it's really fascinating because this stuff is so important all of these dynamics well if you don't know okay so this is what i wanted to get to you made the point in your little little video which was great yesterday but i think you made the point that if you are reporting to a manager or a board or an owner that has a certain bias in their way of thinking now bias not in a negative way but they naturally gravitate toward a certain aspect of an argument if it's one person you're reporting to, that can be easy because you can just feed the wolf. You can just give them what they want if you want this outcome. But when it's a group of five or six decision makers of a decent sized business, let's say, you actually need to think through what each person on a board or a management team looks for. And you often find out the hard way through trial and error. You send a few things up, they get rejected. You know, What's going on here? This is good stuff. Yeah but it lacked a key element that one or two key decision makers have. And if you've got two people with either finance or legal background involved in your management team, there's a very strong likelihood that they come from a risk and process, or if you're in an industry that is a very process-driven industry that's operational, it's very likely that they're gonna look at risk and process rather than outcomes and options. So they're not just gonna go, that's great, that could work, so we'll go and do it. They'll say, what happens if it doesn't work? And what contingencies do we have? Absolutely. I know I've seen, um, you know how you're talking about, you put thing, run things up the flagpole and you get no's and you think, what the hell? I've seen that from both perspectives. And what ends up happening is there's a real loss of trust or a feeling that there's no trust. So For sure. as a junior lawyer, as an example, I would prepare a memo or a letter or something like that for one of the partners who is a brilliant, brilliant operator. And it would just come back almost immediately with kind of red markings, questions. Um, and for a period, I felt really dejected. Yeah. Like, 
So you take it as a personal... You know, I've done all the work. Yeah. This is right. What's the issue? And what I realized was that particular partner was an evidence-based yeah. person and very risk-averse. So the two things go hand in hand yeah. in a law firm. So what I ended up doing, this sounds crazy, is every single letter, every single memo had numbers and tabs all through it. Mm. It got put in a folder mm. and behind that letter was every extract from the case, every relevant bit of correspondence, every single underlying piece of evidence and information that I had drawn on yep. to prepare that. And do you know what? The second I started to implement that, everything was coming back signed. Isn't that funny? So you take it initially as a personal slap yep. in the face, when in reality, all you needed to do was give them the information that they needed to for their decision-making Exactly. Style. And and then on the flip side, more recently, from a board perspective, I've seen um, senior people in businesses getting really frustrated that the board is not making a decision yeah. and, and asking for more information yeah. month after month on, you know, what might be really, really great ideas, mm. well thought out. Mm. But if the, the senior leadership team is not bringing it to the board, hitting all of these marks, what's the process, what's the evidence, what's the outcome going to be, you can't just come to a board and say, hey, here's this really good idea, can you sign off on it? Because you've got all these personalities around the table who say, well, hang on, my ass is on the line yes, here. Yes. Give me what I need to say yes to this. Yes. Um, but see, then there's a communication issue. So there's, exactly. So there's the personal side. Yep. And there are sometimes personality clashes within businesses that mean that no matter what you do, you're not going to get a tick. Yep. Or you're going to have to jump more hurdles than the next person. Then there's the just the decision-making uh, bias of the group that are making the decision. But the third thing is, is, and this is for leaders of businesses, is the communication back. This is what I need. Yeah. So if you're going to if you're going to expect your people to be driven and to keep bringing ideas and to keep innovating, and all they hit is a stone wall with no comms coming back as to why something was either uptaken or rejected then they're going to stop coming to you with ideas. And frankly, they're just going to go somewhere else in the end, in yep. the end. And the best talent, and especially young talent, who, like you say, when you're a young lawyer, they don't understand these things at all. So they haven't put any time into understanding the decision-making process. And if it's not communicated to them in some way, they will stop bringing you ideas. Absolutely. So it's a double-edged sword. Well, it's pretty disheartening to keep bringing something. So. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's communication. It goes both ways. But as as a leader or a group of leaders, if you have a decision-making um, mandate, the people who are bringing you proposals need to understand mm. the information that they need the, to bring the, the, with the yeah, proposal. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But I think, you know, a lot of people are quite flippant. They just think, well, I'm great. I've got this great idea. Why, why aren't I being backed? Yeah, well, I decide that this is a good idea based on how I think but then the, the decision maker in the end doesn't think the same way I do. Or, or the decision maker doesn't know the hundred things that you yes. have thought about. Yes. So you might be 100% right, but if you haven't given the tools, they can't make the call. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's really fascinating. And again, a lot of this is about self-awareness, awareness about the people around you, because when you're thinking about teams and doing things collectively, um, people's process, thought process is really important to understand and your own. Okay, so I, this, this is fascinating. I mean, we could do this all day and we won't because there are other things to do. <laughs> really? And so do other people. Um, 
But I think that if you just if we just filter out some of these things, one is to understand your own biases. Now, outcomes, options, risks, people, process, evidence is not an exhaustive list, but it's a good starting list as to what your decision-making process is when you make a decision. But then have a look around you at, let's say if you're managing a team, leading a team, or you're looking to grow, look around at the people around you and the way that they make decisions and some of the feedback you've got from them through this lens and just see if it looks a little bit different than, oh, I got rejected again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Does that make sense? Mm. Is that enough for today? Anything else you want to add? <laughs> <laughs> don't ask a question you don't want the answer no, to. No, no, no. This is, you know, the old, the old Dorothy Dix question. Um, I could have given you a free hit. Thank you for your uh, insights, Esther. We're going to track your uh, progress with the Institute of Company Directors. Sounds like it was a good first day. Really good. Really interesting. Uh, and it's prompted this discussion, which again, just sort of reminds us to reflect on this stuff as well, that we do normally, but we sort of to focus on it a little bit more. Thank you for your insights, Laura. Thanks for the cup of tea. <laughs> oh my God, cup of tea. All right. Uh, you can check us out on allfounders.co. There's a few other little bits and pieces there you can have a look at and across a bit of social media as well. Uh, thank you for listening today and hopefully you'll hear from us again soon.